toddler's ABCs. Athletics beyond coronavirus. Hillel Cutler's ABCs. Athletics beyond coronavirus. Hillel Ascribe Welcome to Hillel Cutler's ABC's Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. I'm Hillel Cutler, a journalist who specializes in both healthcare and sports. In this era of the coronavirus and the precautions that are helping to save our lives by limiting the spread of the disease, shuttered sports leagues reopened in limited form. I interview people who are exhibit A of the sports experiment, the athletes, the coaches, the broadcasters, and the executives. I'm very interested in the effect on fans. In most reopened leagues, few or no fans can watch in person. On this podcast, we discuss the very real here and now, and also the day after, when the lives that we prefer to live can resume, and when the sports we love return in earnest with fans filling the seats. I welcome your comments, including suggestions for interviews. Just email me at hk at hillelthescribecommunications.com. It's been just over two months since the coronavirus vaccination was first administered in the United States. However, a system remains lacking for people to get those vaccinations, even to register to receive them. Into some of the void have stepped some professional and collegiate sports teams and leagues. Vaccination sites include Los Angeles's Dodger Stadium, Fenway Park in Boston, Yankee Stadium and City Field in New York, the Houston Astros and San Diego Padres fields, San Antonio's Alamo Dome, the University of Michigan's Big House, which is the largest stadium in the United States, and Montreal's Bill Dernan Arena. Several NFL teams did their part too. The Atlanta Falcons, Arizona Cardinals, Baltimore Ravens, Carolina Panthers, Houston Texans, Miami Dolphins, and New England Patriots. Several days before the Super Bowl, the NFL informed the White House that it was making available all of its 32 stadiums, 31 stadiums actually, the U.S. is in a good news, bad news situation, statistically speaking. According to the World Health Organization, as of February the 13th, almost 53 million Americans have now been vaccinated, which equates to 16.1% doses per 100 people in the United States. By comparison, though, Great Britain's vaccination percentage of 24% leads Europe, and Israel's 74% is the best overall. Within the United States, Massachusetts stands at number 20, California at number 33, Georgia at 47. And I mention those states because that's where my three guests work. Each person connects with teams I mentioned serving as vaccination sites, and they'll share some of their thinking about how those stadiums are part of the solution to this public health crisis. Naomi Rodriguez, for the past six years, has been the Dodgers Vice President for External Affairs and Community Relations. Also, for about the past six years, Pete Nesbitt has worked as the Red Sox Senior Vice President for Bullpark Operations. Dr. David Holland is the Chief Clinical Officer of the Fulton County, Georgia Board of Health, a region that encompasses Atlanta. Naomi Rodriguez, Pete Nesbitt, and David Holland, MD, welcome to Hello Colors ABC's Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. Thank you. You're very welcome. Good to have you folks. David, I'd love for you as a public health expert to start us off by providing some context for today's discussion. 
I'm wondering if you can explain a little bit about what is the contribution that you see that teams in various sports are making by using their facilities for the benefit of municipalities for coronavirus vaccinations. And maybe tell us a little bit about what you've seen by stopping in presumably to the Falcon Stadium about how the arrangement is, is going on there. Well, first of all, I want to say that um, it is the Falcon Stadium, but it also is the stadium for the Atlanta United soccer team. So, um, and they're, they're also an important contributor here. The, uh, um, the main thing about these vaccination drives, you need a, three things. The first thing you need is the vaccine. The second thing you need is um, staff. You need clinical staff to um, administer the vaccine and then also staff to do the registration and all that stuff. And it's the more vaccines you're doing, the more staff you need. But the other thing you need is a lot of space. Um, you know, coronavirus is still circulating in the community. And so you, when you have, you know, thousands of people coming through each day to get their vaccine, you can't have them all crowded up um, when they're coming in during the administration process. And then there's a 15 minute um, observation period after each vaccine. And they can't be sitting stacked together. They have to be six feet apart during all phases of this. So it takes a lot of space. And, um, you know, it's February here in Atlanta. It's still very cold and it rains a lot. And so um, other than drive-through vaccination sites, which take even more space because of the cars, you know, the, the real advantage the stadiums provide is by providing us vast amounts of space um, that are, is climate controlled, shielded from the elements, um, and also safe because it's you know, very well ventilated and so forth. Um, and we've estimated at the um, Mercedes-Benz Stadium that if we fully utilize all the space, we could get to at least 15,000 vaccines administered per day, um, possibly more. Um, and you know, we're looking forward to a day when we have enough vaccine to be able to do that. But that's the main thing. And, but you know, the other thing that we get, um, the, the, you know, Arthur Blank and the Falcons, the United um, and various associated business ventures have committed a lot of additional staff to this. They are very much wanting to make this work. They are wanting to get the metro area vaccinated so that we can get out from under all this. And they have thrown a lot of additional resources, staff, um, the, you know, um, other, uh, you know, ancillary business um, resources toward this effort, which help us out a, a lot. And have, have, you, have you gone to the stadium while the vaccinations have been progressing to see sort of what, how it works? Oh yes, I go every Wednesday and I actually vaccinate there myself every Wednesday with um, medical students from Emory University. So um, yeah, we're, I'm, I'm there all the time. Mm -hmm. And what would have been your impressions about how that's worked compared to other sites that maybe you visited? Well, you know, each of our sites is very different and it's, 
you know, adjusted for its site. But the, the you know, that's the one that up until recently has easily been able to accommodate the most bandwidth per day. Um, and, you know, to be able to casually do 1,000, 1,500 a day at the one little corner of it that we're using right now. Mm -hmm. Now, Peter and Naomi, you both work, at least pre-pandemic, um, work at a stadium, unlike David, who works for the Board of Health. Um, I presume that you've, you've gone to the, you know, Fenway Park and Dodger Stadium during the progression of the vaccine to see what, of the vaccination to see how it's going, to get a sense of the arrangements and maybe even to get the vaccines yourself. What have been your impressions? We'll start with you, Pete. Well, things, things are really going well at Fenway Park. You know, I think um, on, on this list of three, you know, given uh, the size of the venues, we're, we're certainly the little brother um, here up in Boston at Fenway Park. Um, but, you know, we, we think we have a great location. And one of the key things, you know, we felt like we could offer was a lot of that infrastructure support that, that David referenced. So, you know, we have large teams, you know, operational-based teams that can put um, the site together. You know, we're really confident in the way that we can manage crowds safely. You know, we feel like we have a lot of experience with that. But right now, we're, we're doing about 1,200 people per day coming through here over the course of 10 hours. And so it really feels orderly. You know, we were a little nervous at first that we would get a lot of, you know, gate crashers attempting to get in here without appointments and, um, you know, right, right um, in the middle of a city neighborhood. So we don't have, you know, extensive parking lots where we can just direct everybody. So there's a little bit um, of some traffic concerns, but it, it really has been orderly. Um, obviously, the people are, are very excited when they get here. Um, you know, we have you know, pretty minimal wait times. People are waiting, you know, maybe five to eight minutes, you know, from when they check in to when they get, um, you know, to to the vaccination pod, as we're calling them. So, um, you know, we're not being February in, in Boston. We're not able to use the full facility. You know, we would love um, to be able to open it up to many more areas, but just based on some of the weather concerns, we're we're confined right now to a certain area of our concourse that we're we're using. Um, you know, we come in one gate, out the other. So um, you know, we feel like we have a really good setup. The state of Massachusetts have been great partners, um, City of Boston, and then um, some of the other private entities that are providing the, the clinical staff here. So which which concourse, which part of the concourse are you using now? Um, mainly the gate E concourse, um, which is kind of on the left field side of the stadium. So um, there's a there's a large area of the concourse that we we winterize in heat every year, so um, it's comfortable. Uh, you know, it's it's um, you know it's not 70 degrees in there, but it's uh, it's manageable for the you know 30 minutes or so that people are generally on site. And, and now you mentioned some of the Red Sox staff who are helping. Um, you talked about the experience in crowd control. What what roles? What kind of roles are they? Um, performing in addition to that? Um, so, you know, working the um, just general site security. So we're checking appointments for, for people that arrive on site. Um, you know, right now, Massachusetts has uh, um, residents age 75 and up are, are eligible. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people with mobility issues. So, you know, we're helping out, um, you know, with wheelchairs on site, 
you know, making sure that, you know, we're walking people up to, uh, through the check-in process, there's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a snake line that goes on inside the concourse. So, um, and helping, you know, with general observations, again, we're not doing any of the clinical work, um, but more just trying to keep the, the crowd flowing properly. We did, you know, a ton of work on signage in the facility, um, you know, to make sure that everybody's aware of what they need, um, you know, where they can go or helping out. You know, people make second appointments, you know, that's something when they're in the observation area, we want to make sure that they're doing on site before they leave, they make that second appointment for the, um, for the follow up vaccine. So this is really interesting. So it's not just the stadium that's being put at the disposal of the public, but your staff, which is a, you know, it's got a financial cost to it, you're paying for the personnel hours of people to, um, you know, as you said, perform some of these functions. Yeah, so a lot of them are, are our full-time managers you know, that are working the site every day, and then we're supplementing with some of our part-time staff as well. Uh, and you know, people jumped at the chance to be able to help out. You know, this is something we, we really felt strongly about. We wanted to make sure the state and the city knew that, you know, we were all in helping out um, where we can. You know, we're always jumping at, at opportunities to, you know, look into other events we can put on here, you know, in terms of, you know, concerts and soccer games and football games. We also want to make sure that, you know, when the need arises from the community that, that we're here to support as well. Right. Naomi, I know that the situation at Dodger Stadium is a lot more complicated through no fault at all of the Dodgers, but the fact that um, you had a while back um, some of the anti-vaccine protesters shutting down the the administration of vaccines there and then the vaccines went, ran out and as far as i know today the 16th of february is when the vaccinations are supposed to resume i'm wondering has that has that made your job more difficult well i think first i would like to say it's been really an important to us to reimagine how we use our stadium during this time uh, we are very lucky because we have a very large parking lot. Um, and so when the pandemic first started, we had been in conversations with the city, county, and state. Um, we wanted to help and, and figure out what we can do, how we could use our space. We had init initially started as a uh, testing site and that quick, a testing site right um, a part of our campus, but not in the gates. And then that testing site just grew and there were lines and we moved and shift focus and we brought the testing site on our campus, inside our campus, I should say. And we, we tested almost uh, over a million people, uh, the largest testing site uh, in, in the country. Um, and then we shifted our focus to, to the vaccine uh, distribution. And uh, to date, we have administered over 150,000 vaccines. Now that is in, that is in partnership, really, uh, the city of Los Angeles and the Los Angeles Fire Department are really running that site and, and administering these, these vaccines uh, with the capacity of over uh, 12,000 people per day, depending on the inventory, the vaccine uh, inventory availability. So um, 
so that's, you know, I just have to start with that because it's been, it's been very important to us and, um, you know, we will continue to help where we can and using our parking lot has, has been the best way to do that. Um, as far as the, and we did have some, some protesters and, um, we, we closed down very, very briefly. It was, it was just maybe even just less than an hour. Um, and we quick, quickly opened up again. Um, and just, and, and just moved forward. I mean, I, I think, um, we're going to, we're going to continue to help the city and the county. Um, and, you know, earlier in the year, we were also a vote center, which was very important to us. So, um, the one thing that, that we know at, at Dodger Stadium is that memories are created there and, and it's more than just a stadium, very, very similar to other stadiums. And whether you're watching a World Series or, you know, celebrating memories with a friend, um, you can also, um, you know, receive a life-saving vaccine and watch your son or daughter vote. And um, all of this has just been very important to the Dodgers. David mentioned having gotten his vaccine at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Um, did you get yours at Dodger Stadium where you're not eligible yet or? I'm not, I'm not eligible. Mm -hmm. So I'm, yes, I did not. And any, any family members, anybody who went through it and reported to you from a personal um, vantage point? Yes, I've, I've heard in a, nothing but, but positive uh, feedback. I think initially, um, that you know the lines were were long and there was some wait time but i the the la fire department along with with the volunteer group called core sean penn's group um quickly made some adjustments and they're they're very efficient um again we have a, a large parking lot which really helps with space as dr holland mentioned space is very important and 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 we have that mm -hmm. And what about you, Pete? Did you have the opportunity to be vaccinated yet at Fenway or have relatives, friends gone through it and reported to you? Yeah, yeah, we've, we've had a lot of people, um, you know, offer positive response. I think people are a little nervous, um, you know, initially when they sign up. Again, similar to some of my thoughts where, you know, is it going to feel um, chaotic? Are there going to be a ton of people or am I going to have to you know, if I'm going to bring my grandmother down for a shot, is she going to stand in line for an hour or longer um, in the cold or in the snow, you know, waiting to get in? So you know, we've really tried to focus on, you know, setting it up in a way that we can get everybody inside the door um, as soon as possible so they're not waiting outside in the street um, and then make it as comfortable as possible going through the process. And, again, you know, that's where, where some of our staff jumps in to be able to answer questions, reassure people that, you know, they're in the right place, they're doing the right thing, um, and that the, uh, the process is going well. So, um, you know, fingers crossed, like I said, we're, we're hearing good reports so far. Uh, uh, David, it, it strikes me as interesting that of the three of you, we've got really three distinct environments that people are being vaccinated in. You have Mercedes-Benz Stadium where the Falcons play, which is completely indoors. You have Fenway Park, which is kind of a hybrid. I mean, the concourse is, I guess, indoors, but you've got all the portals leading outdoors into the field, which are bringing in air. On the other hand, Pete mentioned the climate-controlled nature of that section where 
the vaccines are being administered. And uh, Naomi, of course, uh, the parking lot by definition is the outdoors. I'm wondering, is there, is there, are they all, um, do, do they all have their own pluses and minuses? Is there the most preferable way or environment in which these should be administered or can be administered? I think the main thing is, you know, the, the let's say this, the, it sort of depends on what you what you got. Like the, the most um, efficient environment depends largely on what um, what your setup is. And you know, the parking lots around Mercedes-Benz Stadium are all just decks, and they have not a lot. It's not like there's not like multiple entrances and exits and everything. And it would be one car at a time the way we're set up. We don't have like a large flat parking area. Um, and so it wouldn't be very efficient if we if we did it outdoors. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the, the indoors is, it's it, the, the doors to the stadium are not far from the street. So it's not too difficult for people um, to walk in if they've got mobility problems, um, if they're dropped off kind of at the curb and everything. So, um, um, or can be picked up in a wheelchair that sort of thing. Um, so it kind of, it, I think it kind of depends on the, uh, the situation that you've got and what you, you know, the, you sort of make it work the best you can for you know, your residents and whatever environment you're in. I, I guess I ask because the um, emphasis from the beginning on the issue of ventilation and airflow and, mm -hmm. you know, what's what's the most healthy given the airflow um, um, part of the equation well I think you know there's there's always been this concern about whether um, whether uh, covid is um, transmitted by a you know what's called the airborne route whether you know how well it hangs in the air and so forth. And there's a lot of debate about how efficiently that is, but I think what is pretty um, well established that doesn't that is most likely to happen in very poorly ventilated, cramped conditions, and a stadium is not that. Um, and especially if you've got people spread out and you're you know kind of moving them through quickly, um, and they're all masked because everybody's masked, um, then you know, that reduces or eliminates that danger. Um, you know, um, having thing, having uh, st um, stuff outside um, may make that a little bit safer, but then you have to worry about things like traffic and so forth. And of course it is a more, it's a bigger commitment of space. And, you know, to be honest, that's a lot easier to do in Southern California <laughs> <laughs> than it is in Atlanta or certainly Boston, you know, in this kind of weather, it's just, you know, in, uh, in the winter in Atlanta, it's cold and tends to get kind of rainy. So even with tents and things like that, it gets to be um, pretty uncomfortable outside pretty quick. Naomi, I know that you're so directly involved in the Dodgers outreach to the community and um, and I'm wondering if you can take us behind the scenes a little bit about how the Dodgers' involvement in this 
project and this sort of imperative even to help in the community, how that developed, like did the city reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? Was it a combination? Were there negotiations involved? Are there insurance issues that you also had to deal with? Maybe give us a sense of what your role is in helping to bring this into fruition. I mean, as I mentioned before, we are in close communication with the, the city, the county and the state. In particular, it, the city of LA, the mayor's office, uh, when the pandemic first hit, we, we all asked ourselves the same question, like, you know, how can we help? The Dodgers are part of the cultural fabric in Los Angeles. And with that comes some responsibility um, so we immediately started with our, with our COVID relief efforts, which included, you know, distributing meals to underserved communities, um, distributing water and, and hygiene necessities. Um, our outreach efforts started there, and to date we've almost distributed 500,000 meals and $2.2 million worth of, of hygiene and water and uh, other necessities, food. Um, but in that conversation, it quickly in the mayor's office, you know, uh, the they were looking for vaccine, uh, excuse me, testing sites initially, mm-hmm. and you can't miss Dodger Stadium and and the parking lot, um, and our beautiful campus. And it was just sort of a just a, a very natural conversation that happened uh, with the with the mayor's office and the LA uh, fire department. We, when, as I mentioned, we were initially just on our campus, but outside the gates and in, in, in lot 13. Um, and those, the lines just quickly grew. Uh, and we knew that we had to um, move it inside our campus and, and, and just um, allow the city to use a larger space. So we have, a, the Dodgers have a very uh, good and long history with the city. And it was just a very natural conversation in particular with the mayor um, and it, it, it happened, uh, in a way that was quick the, you know, we have this parking lot, let's do this. And, uh, I, I want to say within a week we had it up and, and running and the fire department, I have to say the fire department has been key here. The Los Angeles fire department there, um, they're organized, they're efficient working with Sean Penn's group uh, called core, um, it's just been a very easy relationship and we are very happy to be part of this partnership and in, in helping our community. Pete, Pete, what about you? What has been your, your own personal role in helping to put this together with the city? Yeah, so early on, um, yeah, sort of later last fall, you know, we wanted to just make the, the state and the city aware that you know, we want to help in any way we can. Uh, so, you know, we weren't exactly sure how the process was going to work or what the plans were from their perspective, but we just want to make sure that if they needed to, they could include us in that. And um, like I was saying earlier, we would provide the venue, some site-specific support, and obviously would need some help from the, on the clinical side um, to actually get up and running. So um, through their process, um, they, they worked with a third party. Um, called CIC Health, which is a local company out of out of Cambridge, um, that was has already stood up a bunch of testing sites in the um, Massachusetts area, and then 
um, they identified both Fenway Park and Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play um, as the, the first two mass vaccination sites that were going to stand up. So CIC Health, on behalf of the state, um, you know, worked with both of us and Gillette. You know, we, we all work very closely. We have a lot of the same, um, you know, protocols in place. So I think it was um, fairly seamless to be able to you know, try to implement similar processes. And, uh, you know, the city obviously was, was on board. They provided um, some help, um, you know, from transportation department in terms of designating, you know, drop off and pick up areas, you know, right on our doorstep. Um, you know, so that's been helpful. We have a police detail on site again to help with any, any crowd control or traffic issues. So um, it really a lot of people jumping in together to provide, um, about, you know, a lot of the, the you know, restaurants in the local community are coming down, dropping off lunch for, for all the vaccine workers on a regular basis, even though they have, you know, plenty of their own issues, you know, they, they want to help. So it's really been a, you know, kind of a full community-based effort to get, get up and running here. And um, we're hoping that's going to continue. Well, that's a good note to end. And I really want to thank Naomi Rodriguez, Pete Nesbitt, and Dr. David Holland for speaking with me on Hillel Cutler's ABC's Athletics Beyond Coronavirus. Let's hope that we put coronavirus behind us very soon. And I wish you and your families a lot of health and let's stay in touch. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot.